everyone. Welcome to the Buyer-Centric Revenue Model Podcast. This is going to be a mishmash of audio content, LinkedIn content, guest podcasts, interviews, debates, and live Q&A. We'll primarily discuss six topics that reflect the Buyer-Centric Revenue Model. One, sales development versus marketing. Two, the sales assembly line or the AE-CSM split in other subdivisions versus full sales or full sales cycle sales, aka AE-CSM combined, no handoffs, no prospecting. Three, quota versus holistic goals and metrics. Four, commission versus full salary plus bonus. Five, sales versus the option of self-service to the extent desired and possible. Six, the predictable revenue model versus the buyer-centric revenue model. If you haven't already, I highly demand that you sign up for the buyer-centric revenue model community to continue the discussion and help implement the model. Join the movement of forward-thinking peers liberating and modernizing B2B marketing and sales. Achieve a better growth playbook, a competitive advantage, and more productive and fulfilling careers. Enjoy insights, data, best practices, resources, and jobs. Plus, the live Q&A on Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Head over to buyercentricrevenue.com to sign up. If you want to learn more about the model and these topics, check out my book, The Death of the SDR and the Birth of the Buyer-Centric Revenue Model. It's available on Amazon in ebook, paperback, and audiobook. And now to this episode. Hey everyone, in this video, I want to talk through a specific example of proper non-spam marketing and what the results were and how you can do the same. I was on the receiving end of this and I thought it was such a great experience that I wrote about it in the book and want to share a bit about it here. This example comes from metadata.io, a marketing software company that sells to marketers. Their marketing is incredible whether it's their founder's personal brand, hiring a marketing leader from one of their customers, their amazing content, including on LinkedIn, co-marketing with influencers and thought leaders, their awesome ads on social media, hiring an influencer as an advisor, launching Demand Gen University to educate their audience on marketing best practices, their amazing website with a ton of helpful information. However, to highlight a specific tactic in depth, think about their virtual event in 2021 called Demand. Metadata invited influencers to speak like Dave Gearhart, April Dunford, David Cancel, and Sydney Waterfall. They had 13 different keynotes, panels, fireside chats, and how-to sessions. They had interesting topics that were top of mind among marketers. No fluff, no pitch slapping, just helpful content. They had audience Q&A for increased engagement. They hired Corporate Bro, a comedian, for virtual entertainment. They had an event sponsor to defray some of the costs and for co-marketing. They promoted the event on social before, during, and after through organic efforts, as well as paid ads, as well as on their website and their email list. They recorded the event for later repurposing 
and distribution. Their website, their email, YouTube, LinkedIn, social media. We got to know the people at their company like Gil Alouche, Jason Widdup, Silvio Perez, and Mark Huber. We got to know what metadata does, why, and for whom. They had 4,500 registrants, 1,900 live attendees. For context, you might get 100 booth visitors at an average trade show who are just popping by to grab some of your swag for their kids. They had 13,000 post-event content views. They generated a ton of word of mouth, buyer-generated content, and brand affinity. They did not spam attendees post-event to speak to sales. They generated several closed-one deals where the event was the first-touch attribution, meaning those buyers first heard about metadata on that event. Meanwhile, the event influenced a ton of other deals. Their marketing team enjoyed doing proper marketing, increasing the morale and productivity. Jason Widdup is their VP of marketing. He said, quote, the reason demand was such a success was because our intent was not to sell product. It was to grow our community, show B2B marketers that we know what they want and need and educate them. And if we did that really well, demand would follow. And it did. End quote. In 2021, Metadata added 120 new customers and grew net retention by 22% year over year. They grew revenue 711% from 2020 to 2022. Their revenue is 70% sourced by marketing. They generate about 4 million in pipeline each month. In March 2022, Metadata.io announced 40 million in Series B funding. In another part of the book, I talk about how metadata automated website demo request qualification scheduling directly on the website, where they were getting over 400 demo requests a month. When it was manual, they just weren't able to handle it. So they actually had to stop their marketing efforts. But then once they automated it, their, I think it was their meeting held rate that jumped from 50% to 76%. In any case, metadata's proper marketing benefited the company's growth their profit, their reputation, their word of mouth, their demand, their market share, and they attracted investors and talent and customers. So marketing benefited tremendously. That's a winning marketing team. I bet that helped reduce their turnover, increase their tenure, increase their motivation and performance, and help them to attract talent. I'm sure that benefited sales because sales got amazing leads, buyers that were well-informed, seriously thinking about a purchasing decision and had brand affinity. So they were likely the only vendor at the table or the preferred vendor. The sales cycle was probably very fast. The win rate was probably very high. And that probably produced marketing sales alignment because they're, they're playing well together. Marketing isn't sending them junk. The content or the event was good because the intention was not like most B2B companies, which is let us produce junk content so that we can capture people's contact information and then give that contact information to sales development so that sales development can go spam buyers and turn some buyers off and push some buyers prematurely to sales. 
no one wants to go join your lousy webinar because we know it's going to be lousy and that you just want our contact information. And that type of content does not get consumed. It does not get shared and buyers don't come back for more. Whereas think about what Metadata Dio did here. They produced really good content that people consumed, shared, and want to come back for more. They built a great reputation. It's the same thing in personal life with friendships or romantic relationships. It's you have to have a, a good character and build a reputation. And your reputation is built by providing value. It's not built by spamming buyers and being annoying. How can you get to where metadata is? How can you be like metadata? Liberate your marketing from sales development. Liberate your marketing from being handcuffed, preempted, counteracted, and crowded out by sales development. Because you've got two different marketing approaches at the same company that are contradictory and at odds. One is wooing buyers and the other is annoying buyers with spam. They are competing for marketing resources for time, capital, and labor. So sales development crowds out marketing. Since sales development is spamming buyers, it counteracts all the proper non-spam marketing that marketing is doing. Since marketing has to support sales development with contact information of uninterested buyers, which is what MQLs are, plus marketing then has to prioritize that contact information of uninterested buyers, which is what lead intent and lead scoring are, then marketing is handcuffed to sales development. And then because sales development spams buyers that marketing is already wooing and that these buyers would eventually request a demo after continued sustained proper marketing for however long they need it until they eventually request a demo on the website. But then sales development interferes and preempts that with spam, then sales development preempts marketing. In order to do that, and what smart companies are doing and smart marketers are doing is that they are comparing sales development to marketing. They are analyzing the leads from sales development versus marketing's website demo requests. And they are comparing that against real marketing and sales goals and metrics, profit, revenue, number of customers, number of opportunities, dollar amount of opportunities, in other words, qualified pipeline, conversion rates throughout the funnel, win rate, sales cycle, average selling price, cost per acquisition, cost per acquisition payback period, customer lifetime value, churn. They're seeing which side their bread is buttered on. And they're also factoring in the enormous cost of sales development in terms of time, capital, and labor. The average SDR costs $130,000. The cost of turnover is one and a half to two times their salary and SDRs turnover at 40%. They're also factoring that sales development tenure is 14 months, but with three months of RAM time, their productivity is 11 months. So they don't last very long in the role. And then their performance is 48% quota meeting, uh, meeting quota attainment. Less than half of SDRs hit their quota. So they're underperforming. And so they're looking at their company to see how their team stacks up. And then they're factoring that marketing has to support sales development with contact information and then prioritize that contact information and how much that takes up of marketing's resources. And then there's all the other costs of sales development, management, leadership, everything that goes into constructing and maintaining sales development. Then they're also factoring that spam turns buyers off. And then they're also factoring in 
you know, any qualitative data that they get from their interviews with buyers, you know, how their buyers want to be marketed to, what actually influences them positively to buy, how they actually heard about their company. Because a lot of marketers are now asking that on the website demo request form or sales is asking that in the first call or marketers are interviewing their buyers and customers and they're finding out what marketing actually works, what marketing touch points influence buyers and by how much, what type of marketing buyers don't want and what influences them negatively. So they're getting this full picture of quantitative and qualitative data to then go to ownership and say, we'd like to propose a business case for two experiments. And if they don't shake out, we continue as we were. We have a hypothesis that if we do these experiments, we'll be more profitable and have a better marketing sales engine. And those two experiments are one, automate website demo requests and scheduling directly on the website. And two, gradually reduce prospecting activities and quota by 25% increments. SDRs are doing 100 telemarketing calls a day, they do 75. If they have to book 10 meetings a month, they book eight. And in both those scenarios, you repurpose the excess SDR capacity to marketing. You give SDRs commission and quota relief accordingly. You run those experiments for the duration of a few sales cycles, give yourself enough time to gather enough evidence and account for short-term fluctuations and seasonality. And so you can ensure repeatable success. And so you're looking at, again, your quantitative metrics, but you're also still looking at your qualitative feedback and interviewing and speaking with buyers and with marketing and with sales, then you have the proof that sales development should be sunsetted in favor of marketing to exclusively generate and qualify leads for sales through proper non-spam marketing to generate real leads, to generate website demo requests. That's how you'll sunset sales development in, in baby steps and get to do the type of marketing that metadata.io did. And your marketing team will, will enjoy the same benefits, your sales team as well, and the company. Investors will be happy. Ownership will be happy. And so that's how you get from A to B. You will have a massive competitive advantage in attracting talent and in attracting buyers, especially if your competition is doing the opposite bad practices. If your competition is still doing sales development and spamming buyers, then they're going to have lousy growth, profit, reputation, word of mouth, and demand, and they're going to lose market share to you, and they're going to lose investment. Investors are going to put their stock with your company, not your competitor. You know, If you're an owner of a company, your growth is going to be much better. You're going to get more growth, faster, easier for less. Marketers and sellers will have more productive and fulfilling careers. Sales development will be liberated to more productive and fulfilling roles in marketing or sales or operations, which they're anyways trying to do as fast as possible. The only losers, the only people that lose are those who are cashing in on the plight of sales development. And those are the prospecting or sales development agencies and tech vendors and consultants and trainers and influencers. Those are the only people who are benefiting. And we talked about this in another video. They are successful despite prospecting, despite sales development, because they actually do a lot of proper non-spam marketing. And it's their proper non-spam marketing that's driving their growth and profits as it is in every company. It's their good marketing that is driving their growth and profit. And it's their bad marketing, their spam that's counteracting that. I hope this was useful to be able to take a 
particular instance of proper non-spam marketing and see the results from a real company and abstract from that, how you can replicate that and how to get from A to B, that that is a worthy vision, that you have a bit of a role model to be more like metadata.io. Now they're not perfect, I'm sure. They still have sales development to some extent, but get in that direction. And that's the purpose of an ideal. That's the purpose of a new model. It's to try and strive to the best of your ability and your means and your knowledge to get to the most optimal marketing and sales engine. So with that, I'll leave it there and I'll catch you guys in the next one. Buyer-centric revenue model, over and out.